Joe Rogan. Everyone is hitting good levels. Yep. Yep. Sounds good. Cool. All right, Jesse, start us off. Go, Jesse. Jesse, activate. (laughs) (laughs) All right, welcome to the pilot episode of Fourth Wave Coffee. Um, I think we can call it pilot. Um, Most time pilot is just used in the TV industry world, but sure, we can use that in podcasts, right? Um, Absolutely. So... Let's just start off by introducing ourselves and giving a little credibility to our names because we're new here. Um, so th- we're just three guys. Um, I'm Jesse, and then we got Josiah and Caleb. So would y'all just go ahead and introduce yourselves with, tell us who you are, what's your day job, what's your coffee story, and to what level in the coffee industry are you currently in? So I'm Josiah. I'm a guitar player. I'm a worship leader, and uh, I'm a self-proclaimed home barista. Uh, turning cafe barista. My day job is I'm a worship intern at Moberly Baptist Church and uh, my coffee story. So here we go. So, you know, whenever I was a, a wee lad, you know, there was just like Folgers around the house and stuff. And later on in life, I realized that that just wasn't it, that there was something greater to be had, you know. So I never really enjoyed coffee until college. And then this man, Caleb, right here made me hip to like pour overs and espresso and all these different things. And I was like, whoa, this is like a whole world that like is a thing. So within like a week of learning that knowledge, I bought a DeLonghi Dedica and then did some espresso a lot. And then I also learned from Jesse uh, a lot of like espresso stuff. I've been enjoying coffee since then. I don't really make espresso anymore. Like at home, I just have a, a stag and a V60 and... I just make stuff that way. And the level of coffee that I'm at, I would consider myself a home enthusiast turned barista. Yeah, so I'm Caleb. Hi, and Caleb. Uh, I'm a, just a college student. I'm a music education major, um, mainly a percussionist. Uh, my day job, um, I play drums at church. That's usually Sundays and Wednesdays. Um, I'm an RA on campus, so Jesse's technically my boss, but he's not that much older than I am, so anyway, my coffee story, um, my dad and my brother, they were really into coffee, so I just kind of started picking it up, and I feel like as most people do, I started with a French press and just kind of took it from there. Uh, I got an AeroPress as a gift for Christmas one year, and... I got really into that, and then I spent a summer in Boston, Massachusetts, and one of the guys I was working with, he was he was a big pour-over guy. He had a V60 and something else. I can't remember what it was, but um, that's kind of where my pour-over game started kicking off. Then for my birthday, this man, Jesse, got me a, a V60 set, and then... I got myself a uh, gooseneck kettle and a good grinder, and I just kind of started going from there. I recently purchased a Kalita, and I've been kind of messing around with that. I do really like the flat bottom. And then for Christmas this year, I got a flare. So I'm starting to lean into the espresso a little bit, but I'm I'm pretty much just like a home enthusiast. Nothing, nothing professional. So, Jesse? Cool. I think we... All, even every, everyone who's listening to this has a coffee story, whether they like coffee or not. Um, for me, I'm, <coughs> I'm Jesse. 
Um, during the daytime, I'm a RD, residential director, um, on a college campus. Um, so I oversee a dorm. I do lots of fun stuff there, like making sure the building doesn't get burned down and uh, making sure people don't get stuck in the elevator that's currently broken right now and has been for the past eight weeks. Um, however, it has most certainly been longer than eight weeks. <laughs> Both of them no live way. on the fourth floor, so they <laughs> have been up and down the stairs a lot, keeping them healthy. Um, but my coffee story, I did not like coffee. I drank it as a young kid one day, like going hunting with my dad. And I was like, okay, never drinking that again. Um, and then I got to college and I met a girl and, you know, at a small college, when you go on a first date, like coffee shop is like a great place. And it wasn't our first date, but it was one of our first dates of, we went to our local third wave shop downtown and um, I didn't know what to order. And the barista was like, Hey, order this mocha latte. And so then that was just what I ordered every time was a mocha latte. And then I eventually was like, Hey, I want to work at this shop and was kind of getting interested in the coffee. And so I applied at that shop and I began working there part-time as a college student. And then after graduating with my, or finishing my undergrad, stepping into more of like a managerial type role without, uh, you know, the, the title, I was just kind of the, one of the veterans on the team and would take on more hours. Um, and I did that for several, a couple of years um, and really enjoyed it. And somewhere in there kind of uh, took off. And I think coffee is a rabbit hole hobby where I eventually was like, hey, I want to learn how to roast coffee. So I bought a home roaster and started doing that and just delving more into it. And about the time I resigned from the coffee shop, I didn't want to quit and was doing all kinds of coffee stuff there on my day to day. Uh, and so I bought a espresso machine. So I bought, uh, as a broke person, I bought a Breville Barista Express, and I really enjoyed my time with it. Um, but that is not the same as a $20,000 coffee shop machine. Um, and so, you know, as one does, I then upgraded and I bought a La Marzocco uh, uh, Musica, really enjoyed it. And so kind of from there, I dabbled in, um, I created a small business out of my home where I would do baked goods um i called it burns coffee and baked goods where i would sell my roasted coffee um and then sell some sourdough breads yes a couple of us are wearing these hats right now um but uh then i started doing some catering with that machine really enjoyed it um and then as one does in the coffee world i upgraded again and i bought a la marzocco gs3 and it was kind of a splurge and it's the greatest thing in my house right now other than me, my wife and my dog um, and just really have enjoyed it and kind of see myself one day stepping further into the coffee world of contributing a shop or something, but just really enjoy being able to do a lot in my home and having people over and just hosting people with, um, espresso and then also just dabbling in the pour over world as well. So yeah, that's kind of just my longer coffee story of just going from hating it to now absolutely obsessed with it. So you're definitely the most experienced of us. <laughs> also oh, the oldest. So 100%. I'm going to chalk it up to that. You know what I have on y'all in age is also not much, but <laughs> in those three years that I have on y'all are all coffee experiences. So in three years, y'all be there and have a GS three in y'all's house as well. Oh, totally. <laughs> That's how that works. Yes. With all the money that I have. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> Did you get free housing? Uh, okay, yeah, so that's definitely enough. <laughs> in this, uh, the title of our podcast is Fourth Wave Coffee, and I think Fourth Wave Coffee is kind of um, this elusive topic right now. It's kind of on. It's kind of this thing that's being talked about more and more. And so I just kind of want to hear y'all's perspective for a second on what fourth wave coffee is to y'all. Like what would y'all define it as? Cause I think the, the definition of it is elusive. Um, so Josiah, what would you say fourth wave coffee is? So the Google definition of fourth wave coffee is the coffee market entering a wave marked by Gen Z's unique coffee preferences and the growth of at-home specialty coffee drinks. Uh, it also says that fourth wave coffee is characterized by cold brews, uh, bottom-up innovation, which sounds totally made up, and just a new approach to the coffee marketing. Achilles Coffee Roasters says uh, that making like the region and like where the coffee is from like more uh, accessible and transparent, like to the common man. Um, it's more backed by venture capital and corporate money. Um, there's a strong retail presence of whole bean or cold brew coffee. So like like selling more like whole beans so that people can go and take those coffees that they enjoyed at that shop uh, and take it home and essentially try and make the same thing. Uh, and then highly designed like brick and mortar locations where, uh, you know, they're specifically like making like the best coffee uh, that they possibly can through like science and stuff. So those are just a couple of definitions. I think I would agree with the like scientific approach and like this is this is how you're making coffee, but at the same time like also making it accessible, like great coffee accessible to those at home. Nice. Yeah, Caleb, would you agree with that? Do you have a different definition? What what would you def- what have you learned um, yeah, from your research? So I read a few different articles about it. Um, I, I found a lot about people talking about the scientific side of it all. Um, just like, I mean, I've kind of seen that too, walking into coffee shops more and more. I see some of those like automatic pour over devices where it kind of does the same every time. Um, just kind of getting that good quality coffee, but making the cup the exact same every time. Um, because, I mean, that's that's ultimately what I've heard a lot of people want. And that's why they like Starbucks and stuff like that. Because it's the same. It tastes the same every time. So, they want that consistency rather than like a manual pour over where it's 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 going to change every time. Yeah. Um, I've also heard a completely opposite <laughs> definition to the scientific thing. And it was um, kind of fourth wave is third wave on a larger scale. Um, Hmm. I was reading this article and this guy interviewed, uh, his name was Hernan Manson. He is... Any relation to the murderer that has the last name Manson? I sure hope not. This is Brazilian, so Uh, I kind of doubt it. Um, Or the world-renowned musician Marilyn Manson. (laughs) (laughs) Both of them highly unlikely that he's related to them. But he is the president of some agro-economic society. And he was talking about 
fourth wave coffee is more of like taking this specialty coffee and making it on a larger scale. So then it's more accessible to everyone and not just these like specialty coffee shops or making them so expensive that like only the upper echelon of coffee drinkers can have. Um, And I don't know. I agree with that to a certain extent. It's just, he he mentions like it it should start with like the big brands of coffee that are already out there. So like, you're sh- he talked a lot of like second wave shops that are on the shelves like yeah. Starbucks and um oh I can't he mentioned someone Dunkin else but, yeah Starbucks and Dunkin and and Maybe them producing cafe. yeah. Can you explain <laughs> the difference between a second wave and a third wave shop real quick? Yeah so. I mean, do we just want to go ahead and talk about first, second, and third? We can yeah, just let's sure. go through that. Let's, let's just get I think that'll history. help us better grasp what fourth yeah, wave is and what came before. Uh, so I can start off with the f- first wave. Um, that came out in like late 1800s, um, early 1900s. And it was just that that was like the start of Folgers and like community coffee. And, and that was like, coffee is more of a commodity coming with like rice and grains and stuff like that. It was just a common household. Yeah. I don't yeah, really like, like that, existed. that verbiage common coffee as a com- commodity. Yeah. And like that was just when it was first introduced is like, Hey, y'all can start having this in your homes. And like, it wasn't, it still isn't the greatest cup ever, but tastes like a boot. Yeah. But <laughs> It may have tasted like you're drinking rubber, but at least you got it in your house. <laughs> yeah. Um, you want to go second wave, Jesse? Yeah. Um, and then from there, coffee, you know, in as this commodity, uh, they're kind of like me and my coffee world. I wanted to elevate it. And so someone out there wanted to elevate it to the next degree, um, and it became this specialty item. Um, and so if you're going to think of labels for first wave and you think of the picture of Folgers or community, um, when you think of the idea of second wave, think of the Starbucks logo or uh, maybe McCafe or Dunkin' uh, Dunkin' Donuts, something like that. Like anywhere you go in the normal city or normal town, just you say, hey, I want some coffee, then that's where it goes. Or like uh, Dutch Bros. Yeah, Dutch Bros. Something like that where it's just um, really... And you're thinking more so... They're not really caring about their coffee. They're caring more about the flavor that they can produce. And so um, uh, there's just kind of more flavor in that of like it's really syrupy and and more focus on the flavor that they can produce and not necessarily what the coffee brings to the table. And so from there, the third wave kind of came onto the scene uh, around the 2000s. And I'll let Josiah explain a little bit about that since he works at a third wave shop now. So third wave coffee uh, is more about like the overall experience and quality of the coffee. Uh, So high bean quality, that's where we started to like care about like, where's this coffee coming from? Like what elevation is it being grown at? What process? uh, Like, is it washed? Is it honey washed? Uh, All this kind of stuff. Um, Focusing on the actual flavor of the coffee, not saying like, oh, this is coffee flavor and then we add caramel or vanilla or stuff to that like actual like like tasting notes of the coffee 
Um, yeah, kind of viewing it more as like a wine or, or craft beer, something yeah. more like elevated in that sense where we're giving like some respect to the farmers and, and caring about where it was grown and who grew it and the effort that they put into it. Mm-hmm. And how it's roasted has yeah. a lot more uh, importance now. So things that you should think of when you think third wave coffee uh, for for our Marshall and Longview people like Joe Pine, Silver Grizzly, um, uh, for people in Dallas like Houndstooth, uh, Wayward, Merritt, Merritt, tons and tons of there's so many there. shops so, Davis Street in, so that many. exist in the world. <laughs> yeah, so many, so many. Yeah, and uh, I will say for second wave coffee, just like I know, every, like specialty coffee people definitely trash on second wave, but they they were the ones that kind of introduced like coffee a little more mainstream yeah. into like you go to the shop and you go to that. Um, third space that's not work or home and you go there and and get coffee also like the espresso game yeah like that wasn't Mm -hmm. really that wasn't really an option with first wave so when that was introduced in the second wave um Mm -hmm. that's kind of that's a majority of what people do now yeah it's really easy to dog on starbucks or, or all those other shops and say man they have horrible craft but their idea wasn't that they were trying to have craft they were trying to offer this specialty experience and without them, we wouldn't have third wave and eventually this fourth wave and, and all the waves that we're going to see in the future come from this. Um, and so I think that's a really good point. Yeah. I uh, mean, all of our, like, favorite coffee shop experiences, like, whether we like it or not, like, was experienced by le- or, like, was influenced by the Starbucks oh experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I think of fourth wave coffee, uh, I think of the scene in Breaking Bad. No, I haven't ever watched Breaking Bad, but y'all may have. Um, I think of the scene of Walt. Um, when they're in their meth lab and he has this really fancy contraption um, and it's brewing coffee and he, like takes a sip and it gets kind of dramatic. And he goes, this is the best cup of coffee I have ever had. And then they go back to making meth and it goes to like this really like <laughs> kind of, you know, vibey music of them playing chess and then making meth and then mixing in all the chemicals. And it was just funny for to, to kind of see them um, experience coffee in this way of like, chasing this best cup of coffee in their meth lab which seems silly to us but we do the same thing in like our home in fourth wave where um, if we're going more off the definition of of science and easily accessible to us as people um, we're chasing that this is the best cup of coffee I've ever had type moment within our home and so we're, we're trying to look at it from a scientific approach of how can I make this better what can I do to innovate this or elevate this coffee to the next level but not only that make this high quality coffee within our homes repeatable as most sciences are if you bring x um, plus y and it's going to equal z then you can repeat that and know that next time x plus y is going to equal z and so the same is true in coffee and so i think one thing we need to talk about with fourth wave coffee is um what is it going to do or to third wave coffee shops like how will it affect that um how do you think they feel about that type thing um because to some degree i think third wave has affected second wave um and so fourth wave is going to have some implications as well um do y'all have any thoughts on that have y'all thought about that um so actually i was reading some stuff about that too and just like there's a lot of these third wave shops now that are kind of supporting it in a way just like um, especially like with the height 
of COVID and everything. Yeah. Um, COVID really accelerated it for yeah. sure. Oh, absolutely. Just because there was a more of a need for people to do it at home. But um, even like smaller third wave, I guess I say smaller, but like less known third wave shops like Silver Grizzly. Uh, if you go on their website, I think at one point there some of their coffees you could get in like instant coffee form. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely helping with that like scalability of we're getting that out to the out to the people and not for everyone everyone to use not just not just people who have seven thousand dollar espresso machines but like mm-hmm. pe- people who just who want that quality coffee but with but they don't have the equipment um mm-hmm. and also just like you can at a lot of third wave coffee shops you can buy at home brewing equipment like they sell v60s they sell yeah. the papers they sell grinders they sell machines like they sell like it's so they're they're kind of supporting it in a way they're yeah. like hey you should learn how to brew this at home and then most of those places are roasteries themselves so yeah. then they're just like buy our beans you yeah. know um, i think that's their way of like keeping up with the curve you know like as people and i think more so gen z are like seeking this like specialty experience at home the coffee shops in a way to like avoid losing money for the these people not coming in as much they're like hey we have a roastery now, and I think that's kind of why we're seeing it more commonplace for third wave shops to have a roastery attached to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think I think a a good analogy like for that is like, have you ever seen like TGI Fridays like yeah. frozen stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you want that same thing, but for sure you, you just want to microwave it. Yeah, but you want to be able to do it at home. Yeah, so <laughs> that's actually a really good analogy. <laughs> that's just like it's funny, but it's a great analogy. Yeah. Um, I think that is interesting uh, just with third wave shops having to learn and keep up with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one thing that fourth wave from my, and this may be something that comes later on, something the fourth wave will never be able to match or produce and why the third wave is always going to have its spot in our culture is this environment to hang out um, at the coffee shop that I worked at. Um, the They had an acronym and one of the acronym things was experience is paramount. And Mm. so from the moment someone walked through the door to the moment they left, they wanted to have a special, they wanted the guests to have a special experience within the coffee shop. And so fourth wave, you can't have that exciting environment unless you just have a super vibey house, but then you are the barista and the customer. And so you kind of desire to go and have a place to sit, to study, to hang out with friends um, and I think that's something that is sacred to the second and third wave space. Um, and I think fourth wave is more so just the, an attempt to be able to have that specialty coffee experience in the comfort of our home. Mm-hmm. So, and I think a good like example of that is when I, when I spent that summer in Boston, I went to this coffee shop like twice before. And then I showed up like the third time I showed up, it was like a week later, but like the barista recognized me and she was just like, it's like, Oh, like, did you like that Ethiopian from last time? Like, do you want that one again? Or do you want to try this other one? And I was like, yeah, how do you even remember my order? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah. I know this isn't like a huge shop, but like, that's insane. That it was just like, I came here a week ago and she still remembered what I got last time. Yeah. When I, so, you know, as a college student working at a coffee shop, I didn't really immerse myself. I felt like the college I'm at is like, was a bubble. And the people of our town, I didn't really know except through that coffee shop. That was like my invitation into the community. 
And so when I'd go to Walmart or Kroger or somewhere and shop in town, I would see people I recognized. I had no idea their name most of the time, but I knew their order. Um, and I always thought that was really funny. I'd say, hey, you're the iced vanilla latte every day at around 8.30 a.m. Like I would know their order and the time of day that they frequented. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good point of just... Yeah, I think you just bringing up iced kind of reminded me of what Josiah was saying earlier about cold brew being a big part of fourth wave coffee. Yeah. That's that's what I've seen a lot of people like say that that was kind of like the first like tipping over, I guess, of the third wave to fourth wave dominoes cuz like mm-hmm. that's just that was something completely different. Yeah. Um and I think that's definitely like some people could call that third wave too. Um, Cause I think that was more like one of the easier things, like more accessible things to be like, Oh, I want to make coffee at home. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people that, that probably wouldn't want to put the effort of like having their own espresso machine mm-hmm. and all that stuff would probably find the idea of like making cold brew coffee at home really appealing. Yeah. Because it's so accessible. Yeah. And it's repeatable. I think mm-hmm. the thing that mm-hmm. makes like, an elusive V60 or Kalita wave, like hard is, you know, you're brewing this cup in like two minutes because the co- the water's really hot. And so like, it's really easy to mess up and like a little bit harder to master. But when you replace the heat with like the time of making cold brew and you're just letting it sit and steep for 14 hours or 12 hours or however long it is, it's a lot easier for someone who doesn't have a whole lot of experience in the coffee world to repeat that. Um, yeah. And then like, when you look at like brands doing that, like Stumptown, for instance, like yeah. they're they're still pretty considered. Like they're in like grocery stores now, but they're still pretty considered like specialty coffee because they're yeah. pretty transparent about where they get their stuff from and what's in each blend. But they have their like cold brew in stores, and mm-hmm. people can buy like the concentrate, yeah. and then they add the milk or add the water, and so they still get that feeling of like I'm making this coffee at home, but mm-hmm. you're still like you're still buying that concentrate from somewhere, but like you're still, you're still making the drink yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also an interesting thing is like the ability to buy these specialty coffee beans within the grocery grocery store. Because kind of first wave coffee was, they would go to, you know, whatever their local grocery store was in the 1900s, like early 1900s. And they would say, Hey, what is this can right here? Oh, it's Folgers, you know? And they'd say, what is this? And they'd brew coffee that way. But now we, or have the ability to like go to a Walmart or a Tom's Thumb or something super common and find really high quality coffee at the house. Now you always want to check the, you know, the date on it because check the roast date and say, okay, how fresh is this? Because not everyone who yeah. frequents your Walmart is going to, you know, take a risk and grab that coffee on the bottom with a higher price tag. Um, but it is becoming more and more accessible to, you know, just the average Joe. Um, I didn't know what Tom's Thumb was until like a week ago. <laughs> what? I, I just saw it and I was driving through Rockwell and I was like, well, I guess, the, yeah, like three days ago, I was like, what on earth is that? It's so funny. Dude, it's a good grocery store. It is a lot better than Walmart, I would say. Oh, that might be a hot take. It, it is. <laughs> but we all know we love Kroger. Amen, brother. <laughs> uh, um, so I was going to pose the question of like, where do we put Nespresso oh, into Nespresso. these categories because oh, wow. like 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could you could kind of put it with like grocery store coffee with like second wave with like a Keurig or the or the K cups or whatever. But yeah, it's also like the espresso based drink that you can put your milk in and like and third wave shops are starting to like make the pods that you can put in the Nespresso machine. Yeah. I think for me personally, I would put, I think I would look at the intention behind, um, the contri- like the, the coffee people. That's very technical. Um, <laughs> the, I would look at like their intentions. And so like a normal Nespresso or K cups or something like that and say, that's kind of like a, a I would say it's second, like a second wave at home experience. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, like, I don't think the people of Starbucks are buying the most high quality beans to put into their Nespresso pods or K-cup pods. Um, but then there's there's people that also care. Like, uh, if that sounds horrible. Uh, there's people who like have a little more intentionality behind the coffee that they choose and how they roast it who still want to make it accessible to people. And so that's kind of a weird gray area. I feel like that's interesting. What are your thoughts? Josiah? do you have any, I'd say it's like right between two and three. It's like at the latter half of two, like kind of getting into three Yeah. because it's still like very like commercialized Yeah. and very, Oh, this is just what it is. There's not really a whole lot about where it came from. A lot of the, I also think that a part of second wave is more of like the flavorings, yeah, and stuff, and a lot of those and like K cups and, and almost like will have the syrup already built in. Yeah, the like yeah. kind of gimmicky thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you said it's like a combination of second and third Josiah, but I feel like it's more of a combination of second and fourth. Okay, actually, just because like, hmm. um, I would even wonder if it's a combination of one and two. It's like this. Second wave specialty coffee, but commodified to that. But then that brings point. up the question is, is fourth wave just a back step in between one and two? That's actually, so I, I was actually thinking that fourth is just kind of a combination of two and three. And that's what kind of fourth wave has turned into because it's kind of like that specialty coffee on a larger scale that's more available to the public like second wave did when they put their stuff on like grocery shelves. Yeah. Is huh. like they put mm. they put the beans rather than just like Folgers and community coffee they had. Yeah. They had just like the grounds and they were just like, "Yeah, we don't know where this comes from, but like drink this coffee when at least like Dunkin and Starbucks, they kind of give you like the broad of like this is a Latin American. It doesn't really <laughs> say where, but it's like this is Latin American. And then obviously we got third wave which is like these beans are from this farm mm. in this country on yeah. this plot of land with this elevation. Um, and obviously the more like Stumptown, I know I keep using that as an example, but I feel like that's one of the best examples right yeah, now. That's a good example. Um, they're not going to tell you this elevation or this farm or this farmer, but they are going to tell you like, um, they are going to tell you, okay, this is from, this region of Guatemala. Yeah. In this region of Ethiopia and this is the percentage of the blend and I think that's kind of where we get that fourth wave is like 
you can buy it on the shelves and it's accessible to most people. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to have to brew it at home as well. Yeah. And I think that like level of intentionality and maybe even the word of science um, kind of does set it apart from that, you know, Nespresso of just throwing in a pod. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, with this elusive def- definition and, and ever changing definition, as we're still learning what it is, as we're still devi- defining it, it might just be, you know, a combination of all of those, but with the mixture of science in there. Jesse, you had posed the question earlier, like, how does, how is fourth wave coffee going to affect, like, third wave shops? Yeah. I think a big part of fourth wave is the, like, self-education yeah. of the person. Like, if somebody's into fourth wave coffee, I mean, like us, like, we just, like, enjoy, like, mm-hmm. just knowing about coffee and stuff. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do, like, if you want to have that same experience and, like, that same quality at home, like, you need to learn, like, a lot yourself. And I think that that is, like, making its way into third wave shops uh, via the baristas because those baristas that work there probably also like to do that at home and like to know about it at home. So they're searching for, like, the correct method and and all of this stuff to to heighten the experience of that third wave shop. So I think that they're – depending on, like, the baristas that are there, third wave shops could, like, transition – into being fourth wave shops. Yeah. I, I also think it's just like if the third wave shop is willing to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like just like you're talking about self-education. I think we were talking about this earlier. Like at a certain point, people who complain about specialty coffee and how elusive it is, at a certain point, it's just like if you just want to drink the coffee, just say so. You don't have to like you don't have to engage or talk trash about people like specialty coffee. That's just their thing. Yeah. And if you really want that specialty coffee, then you like, it's probably worth it to educate yourself a little bit. It's really not that, that hard. There's plenty of resources online yeah. that you can go Thank for. Thank YouTube for that. Yeah. Shout out to James Hoffman. My British dad. <laughs> so yeah. one of my favorite Facebook groups I'm a part of is Home Espresso Aficionados. And yeah. it's just people posting about like the Their beans they're using, all, all, this, yeah, like all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and um, one of the highest rated posts of all time on there is this bell curve of learning. And it's like first four weeks of learning about coffee. If it tastes good, it is good. And then it was like the next two years or something and then it was like oh it has to be from here and uh you have to do it for this long at this temperature at this pressure yeah. blah, 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 and going on about all that and then it was like eight years later back to if it, it tastes, tastes good, good it, it is, is good. good yeah that's so funny <laughs> not not over sophisticating or complicating it um, yeah I, I prefer to overcomplicate it because that's who I am. It's more that's how my brain works. It honestly is <laughs> way more fun when you're just like, well, if I put a temperature from 200 to 205, then What's it brings out the flavors in the <laughs> roast. And because like, that, that's the difference between it being a commodity and, and a hobby and like an interest. Yeah. And that's, that's where that craftsmanship comes from in yeah. like in the third wave is um, like dialing in your espresso, mm-hmm. like, Instead of just like throwing a pot in, or yeah, um, or like obviously at Starbucks when you order, they just like kind of tamp it, put it in the machine, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like dialing in the exact 
grind size and like the w using a wdt and like yeah. distributing it the right way and like making sure you're doing every little step in the process yeah. and that's where that specialty in the craftsmanship comes from yeah yeah i think the best case scenario for like the future of fourth wave is having the heart of third wave and like wanting to like make it your craft and make it like as good as possible yeah but like also educating yourself behind like the science of it yeah. and all that stuff and bringing that to the cafe experience and ultimately to the at-home experience yeah so that you can be your own creative and own innovator and exactly. i think that we're seeing that more and more frequently with like just people on instagram who are self-proclaimed home baristas and Daddy you know coffee yeah just showing off their own stuff on home and how they do that and and i think that's also just it helps you know people learn who are just you know, grabbing their normal cup of drip coffee from yep. Starbucks on the way to work and and seeing that in a very tangible place like Instagram or, or TikTok or something, they're able to be invited into this world of fourth wave. So, I mean, like, coming off that, like, you were talking about grabbing their drip, just like their regular drip coffee from Starbucks. Um, this article, same one as earlier, but it's it's a different lady. Her name is... Venusha something she is the um she's from the Brazil Specialty Coffee Association yeah um she was talking about like this like fourth wave of like spreading out the specialty coffee to the masses that needs mm. to start from the brands like they're going to have the biggest impact mm. on where this starts because they already have like the commercialization of everything like you're not going to have a random roaster from in the middle of Ohio and they're yeah. not they're not going to start this huge commercialization of coffee it's going to be from like Honest. your Pete's or your Starbucks oh, or yeah. um i mean now even more of the stump town but um so like i think i think one thing i know this is like a huge thing and it's obviously this podcast is not going to change that, but like Starbucks being a little better about like, Hey, we need to be better about like, Oh, this is where, this is what our drip is. This is where it comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that's really the, I feel like that's the biggest roadblock fourth wave has to, has to go over is like still these big second wave shops are, are not super transparent about like, this is where we get our coffee from and using the highest quality beans. Cause like, that's still, that's, that's what the public is looking at is yeah. like the Starbucks and they may go to a third wave shop and, um, probably be a little overwhelmed just cause like, they're like, Oh, this is the such and such farm from this tiny region. No one's heard of. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where to really go off. Like, what's the line between this is too in-depth and is going to scare someone off? Yeah. Or this is just really not enough to change anything. Yeah, for sure. And I think that kind of that level of transparency is kind of the one of the main things that like fourth wave aficionados, if it's more this at home experience, those people are going to care more about this. Yeah this on a on the deeper level um and honestly i've gotten really good at my geography of these kind of 
third world countries at times yep. just because I care about, hey, this grew um, Lake Kivu of, you know, of this really small country or just something like that. Um, but I think kind of this whole, this is week one um, of this kind of just discussing fourth wave and what it is. And there's so much more to discuss. Um, but I think... Um, we've kind of laid a, a good groundwork of what fourth wave is. And while it is this, we've kind of discussed how it's elusive and how it's hard to define, but um, we all have our own thoughts and I think that's okay. Um, and people listening to this can have their own thoughts. And if you happen to find this and you don't even care about coffee, then I'm sorry that you listened <laughs> to us. Um, thanks but for spending the past if, 45 minutes with us. Yeah, though. thanks. Okay, before, before you just like finish or like start to end... I was just going to ask, like, yeah. if you could put your definition of fourth wave into, like, a short soundbite, what would you what would you say? Just I go. <laughs> I was literally about to say you go, but I'll go. Uh, my, my little phrase definition of fourth wave coffee would be making quality, repeatable coffee that is ethically sourced and there is a relationship from the grower – to the person sipping that coffee, making that available to people at home. Yeah. You used a lot of the same words that I want to use, um, <laughs> okay. but I'll keep it shorter. Um, I just view it as coffee as a repeatable, high-quality thing within our homes. And I probably could replace thing with something a little more complex, but um, I think the big things are either repeatable and then maybe a caveat um, with a focus on innovation and creativity. Caleb, would you have an answer for that? Yeah, I was, that you... I was gonna. I was thinking even like just like a shorter. I was in my brain was just specialty coffee on a larger scale. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. And I think that's kind of a good place to start to close. Is we all have our own definitions and can, and that's okay. Um, and we can all learn from each other because I think a big part of fourth wave coffee is that we're learning and learning from each other. Um, but kind of closing, we have some just reoccurring segments that we want to um, hit on. And so the first one is in like golf or disc golf. I'm a big disc golf enthusiast. There's this question that people always ask and they'll say, what's in the bag? And they'll make a video and they'll go through everything they have, whether it's I hit this pitch and wedge or I putt with this putter and they'll do that. Um, I want to do that same thing, but what's in the bag like, what are you brewing this week? What's in the coffee bag on your shelf? What are you brewing this week, and how are you brewing it? Um, and so, Josiah, what are you brewing this week? So this week, I'm, and for the, I guess, the past couple of weeks, but yes, this week, is from Brown Coffee Co. in Austin. It is San Antonio. San Antonio. Right, yeah. Brown Coffee? I thought it was Austin. We'll, we'll have to look it up. But I, we'll have to consult with it. Jill. <laughs> Caleb's going to check this, but I think it's... San Antonio. Yep, San Antonio. San Antonio. Cool, I'm cool, cool. fake. I'm fake. No, it's okay, dude. From Brown Coffee Co., El Dragon. Oh, yeah, I love some El Dragon. Oh. Costa Rica. Yeah. Cotura. And it has more, like, spicy flavor yeah. notes and stuff. I made a James Hoffman V60 for two yeah. earlier. That me and Caleb it was really shared. good. Had a lot of, like, clarity to it. It was oh. good. I liked it. It got a lot of the body into it. Yeah. Which I think is a lot of where that Costa Rican come like that's where that flavor comes from. So yeah, that coffee was one of my first like drip coffees that was memorable to me. 
Hmm. And it was memorable also just because of the name. It's na- the farm that it grew on of El Dragon. El Dragon. Yeah. Um, the mountain range that's mm-hmm. right beside it mm-hmm. looks like a dragon's back. And so that's how they named it. And it's kind of stuck with me. Um, Caleb, what's in your bag? So right now I... I signed up for the fellow coffee subscription, so they send me just like a random bag every two weeks. It's really <laughs> not that expensive. Uh, Jesse, you're my boss. You know how much I make. Uh, <laughs> so this one I've been brewing for the past couple weeks. It's from Equator Coffee in, can't remember, somewhere in California. Yeah. Um, it's an Ethiopian from the Sadama Ardi region. The tasting notes are vanilla, lavender, and sweet lemon. I have been doing um, an AeroPress, and there is this there's this method where it steeps it and bypass steeps it for how however long you want it, and then you bypass just however much you you want to break the concentrate by, and it really brought out a lot of that sweet lemon flavor mm. um i think i shared it with josiah mm. i've it always was, enjoyed it was Thanks. really good Y'all are always sharing with each other i need to get into that <laughs> oh, <I'm kidding. laughs> what's um, in your cup jesse yeah so i uh i have been using all the way from longview texas up top for those not watching this because um, it's in your ears right now we just high-fived because that's what we do when we say the word up top um, it is a just a blend from Silver Grizzly and Longview. <laughs> it's a blend from Silver Grizzly and Longview. Joke. It is. Every time I go to Silver Grizzly and I say, what's on drip? And they say, up top. I give them a high five. <laughs> and they have no idea what's going on. Um, but I've been brewing that uh, mainly through espresso this past week. Um, but I've kind of used it just as a V60 early in the morning on the way to work just so I don't have to think about what I'm drinking, just kind of get some coffee, go to work and start my work day. Um, but really been enjoying that. Um, and then that will bring us to our last segment for this week. We have some others that we're mixing in as we get going. Um, but the last section or segment is coffee trivia. And so boys, I have three questions for y'all and y'all may not know these answers because they're kind of I probably don't. They are really uh, kind of intricate. Uh, but It's almost like that's by design. Yeah, facts. <laughs> it's almost like you made the segment. Facts. Uh, so the first one is, how many coffee beans, individual beans, create oh the grounds for an espresso shot? And so I'm assuming, you know, just a basic double shot of espresso that you would get Doesn't at a special change? shot. physical beans? Yeah, 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 on average, on average, though. Okay, okay. Um, like how, many, how many physical beans? Okay, so I have a number in my Can head. I use a calculator? Sure, you can use a calculator. And we can map this out at the end of this just to make okay, sure it's right. On average, whenever I used the Bondi beans mm-hmm. from Tweed, mm-hmm. it would be like three beans per gram. Okay. I'm going to go with like 110 beans. Wait, it, but how, what, what are we saying? Like for the normal how, double uh, shot, How like how? what's the weight? Are we saying like? 16? I'm probably 18, 18 grams because I think that's okay. I changed my SCA. Yeah. Changed my what did you think it was? I, I, you said I was, 110. And I was like, oh I know. I was thinking like V60 numbers. Oh, no, no. Single 18 gram espresso shot. Yeah, I was thinking okay. with like 30 grams. So, like, um, 
I'm trying to do this math on my calculator and I can't figure out how to <laughs> do it. I'm gonna go with like. <laughs> Give me your best guess. Seventy-three beans. Seventy-three beans, Caleb. It's probably. Oh, more. Oh, oh, oh. Caleb's frantically trying to remember algebra from high school. Seventy-three? Is it three? Sure. Three grams per bean? Or no, point? three beans per gram. Oh, okay. So the Ethiopian I've been using is like, it's like point one for mm. each. So I'm gonna go one eighty. One eight. One hundred and eighty beans. Y'all are so far off, and it's so funny. Is we'll check like this so at the end. More? It's so much lower. So what? Much lower? Yeah, forty-eight beans. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna go. We're gonna definitely. We're gonna. Definitely we're gonna check test this. this we'll bring end. it back next week. <laughs> yeah, with an answer. Count every I'm, I'm counting. Yeah, we're about to count it. Beans. That feels right because I would. You know, I used to have my zero retention grinder, and I would weigh it all out, and that I think it would be around fifty beans. And now it would vary based off coffee, but it would be around fifty. But the answer is forty-eight. Oh, no. Crap. Here's my notes. 42. So even oh. less. Yeah, 42. So we'll check this at the huh. end. But I feel like it. Okay. Yeah, we'll check it. Sure, um, okay. Anyway. Second question. So in America, specialty coffee is typically dominated by drip or like, you know, just a normal mm-hmm. cup of black coffee. Mm-hmm. But in Australia, it's dominated by espresso-based drinks. Mm. Why do you think that is? Like, why is their coffee culture so much different? We'll talk more about these two different coffee cultures later on, but. They just had espresso machines first. <laughs> so that's just what they knew. Is it something about like colonization or something? <laughs> no, it's not that deep. Okay. That would be I was so like, bad. I don't know. <laughs> is it? I was thinking like super practical. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good answer. Um, so coffee, when it became a commodity in mm-hmm. the United States, we, you know, used Folgers and would just make drip coffee in your house. Um, when coffee kind of entered the Australian scene, the espresso machine had already been invented. And so uh, because of that, most people um, just grew up around coffee around the espresso machine, um, which I think is super interesting. Um, and, you know, with like Breville or Sage, like that's mm-hmm. made in Australia. And so I think... Mm kind of our baseline entry level, like espresso machines are made in Australia, which is also a really neat thing. Um, Final question. And this one's got a little bit of a debate around it. So, but from my research, when was the first espresso machine patented? Not when they were like easily accessible or like being used. There was a James Hoffman video about this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's earlier than I thought it would be. Um, What is it? And then the bonus is what city and country would it? 19th century? Okay, I'm going to say... I'm really bad at that because it's always... 1800s? So, so 1800s, I'm yeah. going to say 1800s in Italy. Okay, any city you want to guess? Um, I'm going to go... I'm just going to go Rome. Rome, good good guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, Could be Venice, probably. I don't really know. I have no, like, geographical or, like, historical real basis for this. What year did you say, Caleb? Sorry. Um, you you want, like, an exact year? Yeah, give me, an, like, give me an exact year. Okay. Um, so, like, Folgers was found in, like, 1850 or something like that. And that's yeah. when it got to America. Yeah. So, I'm assuming coffee probably started there earlier. I'm going to guess, like... I'm going to, like, 1829... 
Okay. 1845. So 1884. Oh. <gasps> so like think about the question before this, like when coffee became a commodity in America, the espresso machine wasn't made yet. Yeah. And so 1884 was the very first one. Oh, I thought you meant like the espresso machine wasn't made in America yet. No, no, no. It was made in Italy. Yeah. The first one. What company yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was made by Angelo Mori- Moriando. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Me and him, real tight. Uh, in, in Turin, there Italy. Uh, Very yeah. reputable brand. Yeah, for, for real. <laughs> um, and so 1884. Huh. So after, you know, these commodity-level uh, coffee companies. So Wait, what city was it? Turin, Italy. Oh. T-U-R-I-N. I don't think it's like a huge city, but it is a city. I Sorry think. if anybody from Turin is listening. Mm. <laughs> what are y'all, the Turin tortoises? <laughs> Your high school mascot? Got them, Jesse. <laughs> they don't have high schools in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. That's an America thing, so. <laughs> Yeah, they probably have the same thing. They That's just call it like secondary education or something. <laughs> <laughs> they call it upper schooling. Okay. British, huh? Are they British? <laughs> All right. Well, those are the three questions I have. We'll have some more next week, and we will give you some more precise answers on a uh, 42 beans or in a single or in an espresso shot um, with a fact check. But this is our first episode. I'm not sure, really sure how we close. Bye. Bye. Bye.